Blue Wire. To the end zone he goes. Where Sammy is. Boyd with a great fake. Touchdown, Taj. Hopkins throws to Boyd. Lean means touchdown throwing machine tonight, and he's got another one. Boyd. Hello there, and welcome back to the Taj Boy Podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation I just had with our guest on the show. But first, I want to tell you about an offer. Now, the holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. The gift of giving. And what better gift to give than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Now, unlike most brands, untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn, well, untucked. I have a few of them myself, and it's the best article of clothing I have in my closet, bar none. No exaggeration there. Now, Untucket has a special for you guys, and I want you to pay close attention because it's a good one. You can go to untucket.com right now and get 20% off. All you got to do is type in the promo code BLUE. That's untucket.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. Now, this next guest I have hails all the way from the state of Washington. It is my main man, Max Brown. And coming out of high school, he was the consensus number one quarterback in all of the land. Commits to Southern Cal. They don't exactly work out the way he planned them to. And he ends up transferring to the University of Pittsburgh. He'll tell you all about that here in a second. But right now, Max has been doing a fantastic job as a college football analyst. And he is also a part of Gary V's team over there in New York with Banner Media. So excited for you guys to hear what he has to say. And I uh, hope you pay close attention. Some words of wisdom in here and uh, hope it brightens your day. Here we go. All right, welcome to the Taj Boy Podcast. I'm joined today by Max Brown. Now, Max Brown is an interesting guy. He was the consensus number one quarterback uh, recruit coming out of high school. Uh, really fantastic player. Played at Southern Cal, played at Pitt, floated around for a little bit. Um, is now working uh, for VaynerMedia, which is obviously the world-renowned Gary V. And I'm excited to to draw on some of Max's experiences, the things that he's faced, the adversity that he overcame and really how he continues to move forward. And um, I'm excited for you to listen to this conversation and more importantly, I'm excited to hear Max's story and uh, see how I can help you going forward in your life as well. So Max, welcome to the show. What up, Taj? How are we doing? Thanks for having me on, man. This is, uh, this is exciting. Used to, I grew up watching you. So to have this kind of come full circle is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm old head now, man. I, uh, I went out downtown Clemson, man, and um, you know, some kid wanted the shot. He wanted to race me in the shotgun contest with, with a couple of PBR. <laughs> you got to realize when I was in school, I lived with all KAs, so I didn't lose, you know. And uh, this girl, there you go, got to show him up. Me, and she's like, "Hey, oh my gosh, you're Taj. You went to school with my aunt." And I was like, "Well, how old am I these days?" So yeah, come back full circle. I feel you. I feel you. Stuff that. Uh... It's a different scene when you're actually behind center versus now it's uh, you can probably, I don't know, have a, have a little fun with it, but uh, no, nah, I feel you, man. Yeah. Now, now I'm just a mister and I'm uncle and, and all these. Yeah. Things. Now were you a part there of, you were you a part of the Levin group too? I, I was, I came uh, in second place. I was part, I was the, they did the TV show for the first time yeah. uh, the year before me. And then I was like the second round of that when it was like really cooking with ESPN uh, when they had like 24 guys at the time. And then the top 11 made it kind of thing. Uh, Asante Willard won in mm-hmm. my class. Damn, yeah, that class was, yeah. what was that? Was that 20, 
15? 20, 2013. So my class is uh, the big names, which for the listeners, like they weren't necessarily all big at the time, but uh, the big names that came out of it were, were Jared Goff, uh, JT Barrett, Josh Dobbs, uh, Christian Hackenberg had some, some pub there. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel bad if I, I left someone off. That's glaringly obvious. But uh, those are the big names. Goff and like JT Barrett. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had a pretty solid crew too, man. We had Geno Smith and uh, Aaron Murray and Zach Mettenberger, Brent Renner. We had some okay. West Coast guys. We had Matt Barkley, uh, Alan Bridgeford, who went to Cal, and Richard Brejo, who went to UCLA. And um, Okay. Man, it was – but this was back before TV – this is back when Bob Johnson was still running it, you know, and it was a uh, the big ticket gift that we would get is the new NCAA video game. So, really, that's making okay. What, cl- what that class? Was was that was two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Okay, yeah, because uh, it's funny. So Aaron Murray and like Geno Smith and Barkley were counselors like my age. So if you, I mean, it makes sense. If you flash forward four years, they were senior in college, kind of thing. They were counselors. Uh, Counters at my events. That's kind of Because I got a chance to, and I was, I tell you what, man, the, the comeback like that, because I was a counselor at, um, at Deshaun's in his class. And like the guys that were counselors when I was actually competing was, uh, Mark Sanchez and it was Chase Daniels and it was Curtis Painter. Remember that name? Guy from Purdue went to Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, everybody was talking about how Mark Sanchez was was dating like Eva Longoria or something, something crazy like that. I don't know how you guys do it on the West Coast, man, but it's a different ball game, obviously. <laughs> it's a different ball game, yeah. It's uh, that's kind of what the the SC faithful sold me on a little bit there, but uh, it's a different ball game when uh, you're a recruit versus actually kind of kind of kind of living it. And and Sanchez is a different beast. Sanchez was living life large. <laughs> In those SC well, heydays. All right, and because I want to tap into that a little bit too, but like growing up in the state of Washington, did you go now? Did you go to the same high school that Jake Heaps went to? I see that. I did. Yep, I was going to throw that name out there when you mentioned the lead eleven stuff. He was a class behind you, uh, but yeah, I was his uh, his backup. Uh, he when he was a senior, I was a freshman. I, I remember getting the bump up to varsity, and uh, I was his backup. That would have been his senior year of high school, two thousand nine, and then my freshman year of high school. Yeah, that's pretty. Y'all had a pretty solid football team, though, right? Yeah, we were uh, we were legit. It, that 2009 year, we were like uh, number five team in the country, which a lot of your audience is probably uh, ACC, SEC country. But uh, yeah, a public school up in in Washington, a suburb outside Seattle. We uh, we had some dudes. We ended up had we had like three five star recruits on our team, um, and then some uh, mid tier D one guys and guys that kind of kind of played lower level amongst just some good high school football players and. We had a good, good little program up there. Won, won, won a bunch of state titles. Uh, but yeah, Jake Heaps, uh, he's another name. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but a, a five-star guy. Uh, things didn't necessarily pan out for him. He's uh, now an Elite 11 coach. Um, but yeah, at, at that time, that was the heyday of Skyline High School was the, the school name and uh, public school in Washington. We were rolling. That was uh, those those were good times. Well, and, and nobody just pops up and becomes the number one quarterback in, in in high school. And so for you, were you like this child protege, like this Todd Marinovich type story? What's your what's your background? I mean, dad play. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, if Todd is like, if you, if you do it on a scale like one to ten, and if Todd's a ten, uh, I don't know. I'm probably uh, 
probably, I don't know, seven or so. Um, I mean, my, my backstory, so my, uh, my dad played uh, college ball at Idaho, but he, uh, he was a kicker, uh, but he's not your normal kicker size. So he was like, uh, he's like a, built like a linebacker. So he's probably like six, two, uh, athletic build, um, played basketball, played all the sports growing up. Um, but, and then get, actually had a run in the NFL for a little bit, just like with, uh, some, uh, like preseason camps and whatnot with the chargers and the Falcons, but, uh, nothing, nothing groundbreaking. Uh, but then I had three older brothers. Uh, we all played sports. Uh, but from, from, from day one, like literally recess, first grade, day one, I, all I remember is like being, being the quarterback. Um, always being quarterback. I don't ever, I never played a different position in youth football. Uh, I remember from early age, like my offenses were the only ones that ever like threw the ball in youth football. So you're, we're talking like spread offenses and like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Like at that time, you're just kind of throwing like fade balls and bubble screens and like a slant here or there. But we were throwing like all the time. And uh, I remember you mentioned Jake Heaps. Like I remember, so my seventh grade year. Um, so when Jake was a sophomore, uh, and that's when kind of Jake what came on to burst onto the national scene as kind of the 2009 top kid. And so there was a bunch of buzz in my hometown of kind of like that, that how the, our program was kind of elevating. And then sure enough, when Jake kind of became a junior, it was kind of like, who, who's going to replace him? And I was this at the time, eighth grade kid who was like next in line type thing and was doing it was. We had a ton of success in like the youth football ranks, uh, throwing the ball over all over the field, kind of doing that thing. It was like, hey, this Max Brown kid's probably got uh, probably got some, some some juice to him. And then backing up a little bit, my actually older brother uh, was the first quarterback ever at my high school. My high school opened yeah. in 1997, uh, and he was the first quarterback, all state, um, the whole the whole deal. He he ended up playing just uh, Division three ball, but uh, like threw for a bunch of yards. Led led my high school to the first state championship back in the day. So he kind of laid the groundwork and I mentioned that because uh people in the community kind of knew my last name kind of knew I was up and coming that kind of thing um but yeah growing up I played all the sports I was uh, going into high school I was actually kind of equal football and basketball I was uh, I was a good basketball player growing up but then uh yeah that that first year freshman year of of high school kind of happened and I had some success kind of being a part of that that varsity team and I would always go, we would blow people out. So I'd get some, like uh, get some run and in, in some mop up town, but uh, mop up time. But yeah, man, it was, uh, I think people, people in the know kind of knew I, w- I was kind of next up like uh, there in middle school a little bit. Um, and uh, I like the, the, the Napoleon dynamite <laughs> haircut, the, the moppy curly blonde hair. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of, uh, it felt like, uh, the quarterback way was kind of my uh, destined yeah, path. Yeah, probably I guess one of those kids that had an offer from Lane Kiffin in eighth grade, man. And, and speaking of going, uh, yeah, my mine was ninth grade was uh, really? from Sark, so awesome. pretty pretty close. Nah, man, my freshman yeah. year, so um, I played for a pretty pretty standout high school football team. Uh, it was called Lance Town, and I ended up transferring from the school. But this team had Percy Harvin on it. All right, so. Percy would play, I don't know, two quarters or so, score five, six touchdowns, be out of the game at this point. But I finally got some varsity to take later in the season. My JV team wasn't very successful, but this varsity team, I wanted nothing more than to score a touchdown. So I get in on like the last drive of the game um, right before we get into the playoffs. And there's this running back. His, his name was Edwin. And we start on like the, the minus 10. And I'm talking about zone read after zone read. They were all give reads. And he takes us about 90 yards down the field, right? 80, 90 yards. 
and we get to the five-yard line. And you know what I did? I pulled it. Was you, pulled there it. you go. You got to. That mop-up time, you're always getting the, the zone read and I, scored, and I got the dirtiest looks I've ever seen in my life when I got back to that sideline. And it was, the, guy, the guy was a senior. That's and he funny. Never scored a touchdown. And I took that moment from him. And Edwin, if you're looking, I'm sorry, buddy. But oh damn. You know, you gotta get it how you live out here, Max. That's funny. Yeah, no, shoot. When I even through my backup days at USC, uh, like obviously when you go like for me, it was like mop up time or whatever in high school, and you always get the zone reads, but I didn't have the legs like you to pull it and do anything with it. So uh that was always a uh that was always tough. I was like, yeah, let's let's throw let's uh call some pass plays, but those are never gonna come uh Come when you're, uh, I don't know, mop-up <laughs> duty for me. No, all right, so you go, you become this big star. And to backtrack a little bit, since your family seems like to be like the Clawson family in comparison, let's say that. All right, how was that transition, knowing that you had the namesake already, knowing what you what you have from a potential standpoint, how did you handle that as you got into that locker room in high school? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, my name was was known amongst the community, but my brother, the, the brother I'm referencing okay. is like 12 years older than me. So it, it was kind of dull. Uh, it, it, my, my, I guess I'm trying to say is my namesake wasn't like that strong. It was more strong against like the old folks who had been around for a while, but not necessarily right. amongst like the guys in the locker room. Uh, but never, but nevertheless, like, um, I think, I think, I mean, guys were excited. I, I mean, uh, I was part of a good team. So um, I know for me, I just kind of, it was the same mindset that I had when I went to SC. It was just uh, like leave ego at the door. Like that's one thing, like I, I've never been an ego guy. And so uh, I remember I got the call up like uh, eighth grade going into ninth grade. Like I got, I got called up to like that su- our like summer, summer uh, camp, I guess you could say with, with the guys and uh, I remember being all like nervous and stuff and uh, not sure, like not sure if you're going to like, we're going to pick on you or whatever, that kind of thing. But I always just try to like kind of be myself. And uh, I've always said that every step of the way, like hard work speaks volumes. So I think when you're the most talented guy and then the most hardworking guy, which I always tried to be or prided myself on, like, I don't care who you are or what background you come from. Like, I think any guys uh, respect that. And um, so I think early on in my high school career, I got the respect of the older guys. And then I had success on the field as well when I got in there a little bit, like those summer seven-on-seven seven tournaments where guys were like, okay, this kid can play a little bit. And then um, the pairing of those two uh, allowed me to kind of have some some success. But to be honest, those adjustments like never were like crazy hard uh, for me uh, in terms of, like locker room adjustments, like even whether it was like transferring later in my career or the jump from high school to or middle school to high school, right. high school to college, that kind of thing. It was always just kind of trying to be myself, work hard and, I don't know, just kind of kind of, uh, fitting with the, the guys. I, so I went and spoke to this group of high school um, athletes this past Sunday. And you know, one of the things I told them, I was like, look, you know, some of you guys try to create a reality that doesn't exist necessarily. But I was like, the one thing that guys in that locker room on that field understand is that if you're faking it or not, you know, at some, at some point, me spend enough time exactly. with so many people that you could tell and you could weed out the BS. And all I've ever, I've never seen a guy actually come in and succeed trying to be something that he wasn't. Usually he fizzled out, man, and, and something happened and he got pulled or he, he flunked out. And, it's, and, it, and it was always kind of the same type of stories, you know. And so it is legitimately, man, be original, be who you are. And, and, 
and understand, you know, your identity when you're walking into that place, you know, how do you lead? How do you learn? How do you listen? And if you don't necessarily know, then feel your way along, but you don't have to just, you know, throw yourself in there and try to implement something that doesn't exist yet, you know? Totally. No, I think, uh, I love how you said, like, feel your, feel your way towards, I know, I know for me, like, I've had some probably like natural, like leadership traits that I've always kind of had, but it's not realistic for me to like, go in there day one and be like, all right, like I'm the leader. Here we are. Like I've arrived kind of thing. Like, no, it's definitely a feel out process, but no, I love what you say throughout every team I've been on high school, college, like I've never had a good leader that was like faking it or uh, trying to be someone he's not. And I've also had leaders that are like from different walks of life, different leadership approaches, all sorts of things. But um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, being genuine and being yourself makes, makes life easier. And um Sure, uh, guys sure. will see through it if they're not. You have some success in high school, and you're coming out. Of, you're coming into recruiting ranks. All right, so I'm assuming that you had every offer probably imaginable. What made you? What made you settle on SC at that particular yeah, time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's gonna be cool for your uh, for your fans. I'll never forget. I got. Uh, I got. Uh, the University of Washington was my first offer, uh, like right after my, my freshman year of high school, like July of my freshman year of high school. And then I got uh, I got Cal like a year later. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Clemson was actually my third offer. Um, so that like a kid from Washington, it was super random. I'll never forget. This was like after my sophomore year. Uh, I had a big like, for whatever it's worth, like sophomore All-American year on some recruiting service or whatever. Um, and uh I'll never forget Chad Morris called me up and uh, said like, uh, and at the, like at the time, like Clemson, like I literally, when I thought Clemson, I thought Tosh Boyd uh, and like, I'd go up and like pull up your highlights and all that stuff, um, which was super cool. Cause that's like kind of right on the cusp of like when right. Clemson really started to, to get rolling. Um, but uh, yeah. So then that's like the, the funny, funny Clemson story um, or one other tidbit. It is yeah pretty unusual all the way out west i'll tell you yeah. that yeah i mean not anymore time yeah sure. exactly i'll never forget uh one last little tidbit there uh my high school coach says uh hey the tigers want to offer you uh and i was like oh which one he said give them a call and find out kind of thing that was like the vibe like, i don't know why you said that kind of weird now i now that i said it out loud but at the time i like when i was thinking tigers i was thinking like lsu or missouri like that's where my head was at like i wasn't really thinking clemson and then sure enough like all right uh, I forgot about the other huge Tiger school. So um, kind of funny there. But, yeah, I landed on SC. I ended up basically – I was in a position where if we're just keeping it real, I, I kind of had my pick of the litter. I could have gone pretty much anywhere I wanted. Uh, I didn't play the whole, like, games. I wasn't as much of uh, into the whole, like, games of recruiting. Like, I really only talked to the schools that I knew there was a chance I was going to go to. So I got a bunch of letters from Duke. I wasn't really ever going to call Duke back, but that wasn't really uh, – or I called him back and said, hey, thanks, but no thanks kind of thing. But basically landed with uh, <laughs> Alabama, um, USC, Oklahoma, and Washington were kind of like my last four. Uh, but it really came down to OU and SC. They were kind of neck and neck. Um, Alabama seemed a little too far. Uh, and at the time – or not too far, I shouldn't say that, but just – I don't know. wasn't really quarterback friendly. What wasn't right. wasn't my scene. wasn't really trying to go to Tuscaloosa. Um, but then at the time, Oklahoma was. That's Landry Jones. That's Sam Bradford. Those guys yeah. were lighting it up. That was like hate, like prime quarterback time. Even back then. Now, I mean, you talk about uh, two Heisman Trophy winners and Jalen Hurts now. So 
crazy to kind of think about that then, but like pocket passers, putting guys in the league, that's where my head was at. And uh, remember sitting in Oklahoma, I liked it, but then I did an unofficial at SC and had lunch with Matt Barkley, who uh, at the time when I was going through that process, SC was the number one team in the country. So they had Robert Woods, they had Marquise Lee, they had that whole squad. And then to me, like I grew up West Coast guy, I, Matt Barkley was like that dude um, at, at that point. And yeah. th- there were some factors like they, they did not take a quarterback in the class above me. So like depth chart wise, it was friendly. It was L.A. For me, like you, I grew up watching Reggie and watching Matt Leiner. Like when I first played video games, it was with SC. So like this is like the pinnacle of like kind of what it's all about. Um, and so to me, it was a, a relatively easy decision. Um, I, I pulled the trigger. The, the one big like asterisk is like that was the hardest sanctions. So that was kind of when everyone was hesitant a little bit. But to me, you're a big time recruit. I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to come in here and, and lead this program out of sanctions. I'm going to come in here, win the job early, do some big things and, and kind of that whole scene. But there were just a lot, a lot of factors going that way that uh, I landed on SC. And I think even outside of football, just living in L.A., getting that degree, um, all those things made, uh, made SC the, the, the spot for me. Where does that, I mean, where does that stem from? Because, you know, the one thing that you, you realize as a recruit, especially as a big time recruit is that you can pretty much go to a spot where the, the starting opportunity is a given, you know, you can pick, you could have went to Utah, you could have went to Oregon, and I'm not sure, I, I guess Mariota's on the way out by the time you were getting in. Yeah. But, you know, Southern Cal, it is it's rich in history, but they've always been known to have, you know, a very competitive group always. So why not take the easier route and go somewhere else where it makes sense at the time? No, it's a great question. That's probably the biggest factor right there that I, uh, that I left out is, I think when I got all these big offers, I knew I wanted to go to a big time program just because that's, that's the vibe I wanted. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't scared of competition. Um, like I said, I've always kind of prided myself on like kind of being the hardest working dude. And I know everyone kind of says that, but uh, I've always tried to kind of, I've always, I've always tried to live that out. And uh, to this day, I felt like I've kind of executed on that, not to try to be cocky or anything, but uh, I felt confident that if I was going to SC, like I had the skill, I had the work ethic, had the mindset to kind of back it up. And uh, at that time when you're a recruit, I mean, and I was kind of the number one guy, uh, I, I kind of felt out the depth chart they had at the time. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to come in here and, and beat them out. And at the time it was like Cody Kessler and Max Wittick. Uh, Kessler's a name football yeah. fans will recognize. He's uh, with the Patriots now. Uh, but Max Wittick was a, a big recruit as well. But I think I just had the confidence, had the trust in myself. But I also think I had the awareness too to say, hey, if it doesn't work out, I'll go the Mark Sanchez route and I'll just sit for two or three years. And then the back end at SC – like that experience would be better than going to a, say, Utah, like you said, and then be kind of handed the job. Like I welcomed the competition, and to me that was exciting because it meant I was playing for uh, for a good program. Well, and what I talk about here <clears throat> is because, as I didn't mention earlier on that brief intro that I gave you that I'll probably go back and, and, and edit it maybe, but you're also a college football analyst. You break this thing down to a T, and you're really good at what you do, obviously, and I, and I appreciate your efforts on that front too, but the transfer portal, if it's, if it's in play during this time period, 
I mean, how do you think it changed? How how would you have thought that it would have changed college football in that time period as opposed to where it's exactly at right now? Or would you have yeah. utilized yeah. that capacity? No, it's a good question. I don't think it would have changed my career, but I do think it would have – like, I don't think it would have changed the end result, but I do think it would have got me thinking. Like, during my time at SC, like, honest, uh, honest to God, like, uh, the, the idea of transfer never came up once. So, like, when, when, when talking to my parents or anything, like, that just, like – that like wasn't an avenue for me. Like I didn't ever want to be like a transfer guy. Right. Like it had such a negative connotation. I just never wanted to go down that versus to your point. Like if it was now and that whole, that negative connotation is not as severe anymore where it's, it's transfers are kind of more mainstream. Uh, I think I may have been more open to it. I may have entertained the idea of saying, um, Hey, like what happens if I do tr- uh, transfer? Cause back then, I mean, I say back then it's only what, uh, six years ago, but six, yeah, six years ago, it had such a negative vibe to me. I was like, ah, if I transfer, the NFL is going to think negatively, right. negatively of me. Or if I, if I go down that path then that means I, I'm a quitter. If we're just like, that was kind of like where my head was at versus if there, if the transfer portal was as common, as common as it is now, excuse me. Um, I think I probably would have entertained the idea. But ultimately, I think I would have stayed at SC like I did just with the facts at play that I had. Well, and that's what concerns me is because, like, sometimes it is just best to ride that wave wave out and see what happens on the back end. I mean, there was a time when I got to Clemson where I didn't play as quickly as I wanted to, and I thought about transferring. So in my mind, I'm like, well, if the transfer portal existed when I was playing, would I have really considered it? You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's it's a question that you got to ask yourself because, you know, nobody ever wants to be in that position where they have to. But sometimes it is for the better. I mean, you, not everybody's going to end up in that um that situation like Matt Castle where he is a backup his entire career and ends up getting a shot in the league. That doesn't happen often, especially not at the quarterback position. And so there's only one guy in that football field. And um like I don't I'm glad I'm yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that Matt Matt Castle thing too cuz uh, as you could probably imagine, I got that all the time yeah. from like, oh, like uh just wait your turn like uh you can either do the Sanchez route or the Matt Castle route. I'm like, uh, <laughs> worst comes to worst, you can be the next Matt Castle. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, that happens one in ten million. And I know that would like that would always like kind of bug me of like, cause, like because that's always like the the like the, the the comment people would say, especially towards the end of my career when it didn't necessarily work out. It's like, oh, well, look at what happened to Matt Castle. I'm like, yeah, but like, come on now, like <laughs> that is super random. And just because we went to the same school, I mean, I get it, but it's funny you bring that up. <laughs> no. <laughs> When it came time to make that decision to to go to University of Pittsburgh, I mean, how much thought went into that? I mean, is is this something that that was was heartbreaking to you? Does you sit down with your family and really walk through everything and and figure out what the best scenario was, or was it to the point where you was like, you know, I'm just gonna cut ties and just get it moving? Yeah. So um, to give the listeners a little context, so. Uh, that was 2016, um, and I was a redshirt junior at USC. Uh, we had this uh, hotshot redshirt freshman named uh, Sam Darnold behind us or behind me, and uh, I, I and we were in like a, a tight competition battle that whole year. Uh, it went into fall camp. Um, I think coming into the year, people thought it was going to be kind of my job, and I was next in line. I had done some good things the year prior as the backup, just kind of in practice and whatnot, and. Um, I think people expected it to be me, but they knew, hey, we have this kid, this young kid. He's doing some good things, like scout team player of the year, that kind of thing. But uh, make a long story short, the battle goes through fall camp. Uh, I win the job uh, over him. 
I get named named captain like uh, a couple days later. So it's kind of yep. my team, the whole deal. Uh, we start off slow as a team, then I get uh, I get benched week three. Uh, we lost to Alabama big, and then we lost to uh, a good Stanford team, and they benched me uh, for Sam. And then for college football fans, that we end up uh, they know the story. We end up winning like nine in a row. Um, and then go to Rose Bowl, all the, the whole Sam Donald Penn State story thing happened. That whole sequence, too. I, golly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, at the time, and it's crazy kind of sitting here in 2019, but at the time when I got benched, it was actually pretty controversial. Um, people were getting on Clay Helton, like, how could he do this to this kid? He Because it wasn't necessarily, um, and it's always funny when I say a story now, like, it wasn't necessarily my fault. And as I say that, like, I'm aware, like, I sound like like the bitter guy who's like uh, living in the past or whatever. But at the time, uh, at the time, like that was kind of the narrative of like, how can you do this to this kid? Um, you kind of kept him there as like because we had depth issues at that time because of the sanction. So if I transferred, we would have been in trouble. So you kind of like needed me to stay on the team and kind of be there as a backup, that kind of thing. Just a bunch of factors at play. But I say all that because when I did get benched, then we started having success. I knew like right away. I mean, I. I knew the Sunday I got benched that uh, I was going to transfer like right then um, just because I'd gone back and forth with Helton for, for a while, trying to, trying to prevent this exact situation. And he knew it. Uh, he knew the whole deal. He knew what he was doing. Um, but so when I did get benched, it was kind of like, all right, now it's time to the, the inevitable or like the writing that's been on the walls kind of happened. And uh, I, I, I stayed ready for, for a few weeks. Uh, but then I remember, kind of early October, I got my permission to contact was how they worded it. Uh, there was no transfer portal at the time, but I got my permission to contact other schools kind of mid early October, which it was super weird, right? I'm wearing a USC Jersey. Like I was the backup right at that time. But I remember like going to practice and then I'd get out, get out of practice and I would talk to a Pat Narduzzi yeah. at Pittsburgh. So it was like super, super like that was weird. I remember talking to like the Boston college head coach at the time. So I was like a free agent guy um, talking to schools in October and November. Uh, and the reason I was doing that is I only had, I only had one shot left. So I knew I uh, needed to, I wanted to, I wanted to get into a school by that January. So then I could have a whole year with that team and have a whole spring ball with my next team with the goal of kind of winning over the locker room, being a leader, captain, that whole thing. So I wanted to, most guys wait until transfer until the summer. That's how it most, most guys are, but I wanted to, transfer in January but it was to answer your original question it was it was crushing man uh it, that that was a, a super low point I mean you put uh not only like four years of work at SC into kind of making making that dream happen but that's a life lifelong dream uh, as well I mean I'd worked since I was a little kid trying like trying to make that happen and I think the way those things played out in terms of um not not feeling like it uh just I just kind of the, the factors at play uh, and kind of it being controversial at the time and kind of that um, lack of closure might be the yeah. best way to put it. That hurt as well. But uh, all the what if scenarios kind of go through your mind. But at the time, I mean, when I, when I went, when I transferred to Pitt, um, they, they were like top 25 team, top country in the uh, offense in the country. They needed a guy. They liked me. So that decision in itself was, was fairly easy. The decision to transfer was fairly easy. Like everyone kind of knew the deal. There was no controversy there. Um, but the whole fact of how it came about was uh, was definitely uh, heartbreaking. Well, you know, and sure. I'm not trying to make excuses for you here, but I will say this: when you change, when you when you get a guy 
and you bench him after the third week? Because at that point, you know, what was the record? We're uh, one and one and two one and when two. they uh, and, and I sit there and I really reflect on on kind of my experience, especially when I took over. So you got to, you know, you were there, but you're still a new new starting quarterback. All right, you got a whole group of crop, a crop of players. What you're trying to figure out how to play together. You're trying to get in sync. You're trying to understand all these little de- details and nuances that happen on the field that you can't necessarily get in practice. And sometimes it's just the luck of the draw who you're playing against. You know, we started off my sophomore year when I took over against Troy and Wofford. Now, we were losing at halftime of both of those games. I would go as far as to say is if we play some some really top-tier guys, we'd probably start off the season 0-2. And if we start off 0-2, then some bad things are happening. But we scraped by, and week after week, we got a little bit better. We started to figure it out piece by piece. So I'm, I'm just – I've always been hesitant on pulling the guy, especially – in that sense, because to me, it almost sounds like a cop out, you know? Yeah. And that's in so many words, that's kind of how it felt at the time. If, if we're, uh, if we're just keeping it real, I mean, it felt like that decision was inevitable. Um, it was, uh, that, that just, yeah, whatever. But, uh, the one thing I'll say is, uh, that week one, not to make it, not to make excuses, I'll own the whole deal, but I'll go, I'll go down and saying. That's the best college uh, football defense in the history of college football. That week one, I, remember I faced uh, Alabama. That you look at that roster, it's like Eddie Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, Reuben Foster, uh, like Deshaun Hand. I mean, NFL guys. Uh, I'll never forget my offensive coordinator walked in like before that Monday install and was like, "Guys, I've never seen a defense like this, and I've been coaching for 20 years," kind of thing. So. That that never helped, but at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I didn't get it done. Things happen for a reason, but uh, that, that's a fun uh, – looking back, I mean, that's kind of like the, hey, uh, week one, That's that was right. no, uh, so, no Wofford. <laughs> so you go to Pittsburgh, and you got the whole concept, new phone, who this? All right, and how is that How is that transition yeah. for you going over there? I mean, the wings are good. I'll tell you that because, you know, I was with Pittsburgh for a couple of months and uh, was right there hey, in East Carson. Yeah. So sharing those facilities is kind of interesting too, but yeah, go ahead. Do your thing. Tell us about it. Yeah. I lived uh, right off East Car- East Carson. I lived, uh, I walked to the facility every, every day. I don't know when you have a new like apartment complex at the mm-hmm. end of the street of where the facility is. That's like right where I lived. Um, but uh, I went out there and it was like all business. Cause at that time uh, I-, I was like uh, all good. Like, uh, right. that, that should happen. Like, uh, I'm here. I got, I got one more year to, to kind of make a name for myself. And I was still on some like draft radars. Like I was still kind of like a cusp guy. Like, even though I had, I'd barely played, um, I knew that if I had one year, um, I'd kind of like everything was still ahead of me. And that was kind of my mindset. I was, I was head down. I was business. I was, I was pissed off too. Like I, I wasn't like angry and com- like complaining to the world and all over Twitter or something like that. But I, I had a mindset where I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to show SC. I'm going to show just the world. Cause as you, as you can probably imagine, like got, I got a bunch of, bunch of flack that year uh, for kind of when your team goes on to Rose bowl and uh, wins nine straight since you were benched, then that season's kind of on you in terms of like, ah, oh, like we didn't go to a national championship, like because of Max Brown, that kind of thing. So there was definitely like a, a chip on my shoulder big time. Uh, and I got there, but, and just try to try to like you said with the high school adjustment. Try to be friends with everyone. Tried to get to know guys. Tried to do the mindset of sit with a different guy at lunch every day, kind of thing. Just try to get to know guys, and not in a like cheesy, corny way, but just kind of a, like, hey, I'm the new kid on the block. Like, let me uh, let me get to know you, kind of thing. Um, 
but uh, tried to work hard. Same mindset I've had is I knew coming into that, a lot of those guys probably thought I was the, the hot shot USC quarterback from Southern California coming out to Pittsburgh kind of thing. I knew they'd, they'd probably think I uh, had like cockiness to me or whatever. And I wanted to make sure they like that, that they knew that wasn't me. And so I was going to work hard, going to be down, down to earth, get to know these guys. And that was my mindset. And it, it worked out. It worked out initially. Like they, I was voted captain at Pitt again. And um, those guys were great. Still got good friends, but uh, the same adjustment process that was there kind of in high school and in college was also there on the, on the transfer life as that's well. Awesome, man. And that's the, well, the cool part is first off, you get, you get two jerseys to hang up uh, at the house. And at the same time, you get a chance to fellowship and be in a locker room with different guys from different places that, you know, those relationships don't go anywhere for the rest of your life. And that's what's special about it. Now, no doubt. No doubt. Did you end up, I'm not really sure. Or did you end up playing in the league after that for a little bit? I did not. So um, I played uh, five games. I was actually a ACC player of the week, uh, like week five, yeah. whatever it was. And then uh, week six, I uh, took a hit uh, against Syracuse and ripped up my mm. right shoulder. And so I tore the labrum on my right shoulder and broke the bank heart, um, which is like a little, the bone in there. Um, but then I spent about 15 months rehabbing. So from October of 2017 to December of this past year, uh, I was rehabbing, trying to give the NFL a go. Uh, I had a few workouts with the, with the Steelers, uh, with the Redskins, with the Seahawks. Uh, but it just, it wasn't happening at that point. Um, I didn't, didn't, didn't have that juice left in, in my heart, in my arm. And, uh, that's what kind of led me to, you mentioned the, the Vayner job. I started that, uh, my current job, I started in January after those, uh, those workouts in December. I mean, that's, that's kind of a tough, I mean, that's a tough draw, you know, you, you, you're at Southern Cal, things don't entirely work out the way you want them to, you go to pit, man, you give everything you got and you know, it, it ends abruptly. And so for you, was there any sort yeah. of, that's tough. I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow. So was there any resentment going forward or anything else? And if it was, I mean, how'd you get out of that space? Because I know a lot of guys, including myself that stay in, in the dark place a little bit longer than we want to be. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, and that, and this is kind of how, uh, we linked up a little bit like this. A lot of this is what I speak to on my own social media channels. So if you're listening to, uh, I, I post some videos kind of about this process, just, uh, uh at max Brown, Brown has an E at the end. Uh, that's my, my handle on Instagram, but I kind of talk about that just cause, uh, you, you get out of this process and there was no resentment for me. Um, and I think, the, 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 the why behind that is I, I don't, I, didn't, I never left any stone unturned. And like, I, I look back on my process and like, I put in the work to have success at each step of the way. And it just didn't work out. Like that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And so I think when everything, when everything settles, when there's no more headlines, there's no more articles, there's no more workouts or anything like that. Like I'm not sitting here and saying like, man, I wish I would have. And I think that allows me to move forward with things and, not be bitter towards like what happened, whether it's an injury, whether it's a benching, whether it's this coach or whatever. Um, there's no resentment, but to this day, uh, like I, I'm still fired up on it. Like I, it still gets me going. It's still a motivator when I wake up in the morning. Cause uh, like the competitor in, yeah, like I, I know I can play football or could like, I could play football back then. I know I had the talent to have a lot of success and, uh, and it just never came together uh, out there for the world to see. It came together a lot of times in practice. That's why I was able to 
to be a captain and starter at SC. Like I had success at like certain chapters of the way. It just never came to light for tangible success on the field. And uh, I'd be lying if I said that doesn't motivate me to this day. But I think I found a way to like channel that motivation to like the next chapter in life. So for me, like whether that's my business pursuit or the broadcasting pursuit. And I think I've, I've been wired to kind of have a perspective to say, like that was just one chapter. That college playing career was just one chapter. And sure, it's a bummer. Sure, it didn't work out. But it's also allowed me uh, to write like a cool story. So like wherever my story's at in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, whatever, um, like it's allowed me to, to write something special of like, hey, I once was the top dog. And now I, you can make a case like I'm the biggest bust in college football history. Like I know that's extreme, but like I'm at least I'm I'm at least in that conversation. Like if we're just keeping it real. And so um, I think it, yeah, it's allowed me to kind of uh, take a perspective to write a cool story. And uh, I, I think that's there's there's one of two ways. You either go down the bitter, resentful kind of at every dinner table you're talking about the glory days right. that route, or the other way where it's like all right, you own it, you move forward, what happened, happened. And uh, that's why it's kind of fun when I get those questions because, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool to talk about because I think most people try to kind of kind of hide from it a little bit. And I've, uh, I've kind of taken the other approach. Well, it's your story, you know, so many, so many times, man, people, and that's what kills me sometimes about, you know, keynotes or, or motivational speakers is to a degree, they're not telling their story. They're telling somebody else is just doing it a little bit better than they can. But yep. Man, the authenticity that comes across when it's yours and you own it and you lived it, man, those are those are so valuable because somebody that you're talking to may not exactly share those same experiences with you, but there will be some commonality, something that they face that end up being the exact same thing to a degree. So exactly, awesome. no, exactly, and uh, like that, like I posted a few clips on social. Like the last one I posted was, uh, I remember in 2016, like uh, I was. Uh, sit down, eat lunch with some buddies, and we like turn on ESPN and uh, like the the the, the sportscasters. It was like Danny Pinnell and, and someone else kind of turned it on, and uh, and Ryan Russillo was other name. He turned it on, and they kind of go down a path of like, oh, I wonder where FC would be if Max Brown never started, like that kind of thing. I'm sitting there with my friends, and it's just like I chuckled off, like ah, oh, screw me, one of those things. That's the only thing you can do. Like uh, I'm hurting inside, but like to the outside, like just I'm not gonna sit there and have it be like super awkward kind of thing. But then three years ago, like this uh, uh, this past week, I hosted a radio show with Danny Cannell. So it was kind of things coming full circle. And I say that because I kind of posted a video about that on social media. And I get people from all sorts of walks of life saying, hey, that resonated with me because I remember when this person said something. And then three years ago in the business world, like I came across him and I, I did a deal with him kind of thing. Or like, hey, I'll never forget like. Uh, Max, this, this kid bullied me in high school. And then three years later, like I saw him at the grocery store, like when those memories are distant past and yeah. like, we're cool now kind of thing. And just like all sorts of different like walks of life, just that message of kind of, I don't know, moving forward or like next chapter or um, not uh, being resentful or any of those things. Like uh, it, 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 it speaks to people. And I kind of lived it out in the public eye being like at the, USC and whatnot, but it, it relates to school, work, male, female, old, young. Uh, no, I think your spot, your, your, your point's kind of, kind of spot on. Well, you know, you're, you're a veteran in that space because I mean, you know, social media can be used for fluff or it can be used for 
you know, a real story. And the way that it resonates and the way that it comes across with you, man, this is, is as good as it gets. So, you know, obviously I think this is only the beginning for you in, in every capacity of your life. But, you know, you transition into Vayner Media with a guy like Gary V, who is who has an unbelievable story himself, but but damn, he's he's the big dog, you know. So do, do you <laughs> yeah. guys have you seen any similarities? Because I think that that's the special part about playing the game of football, man, is the avenue that you have playing that game, the relationships that you create, but more than that, the damn the relationships, the experiences that you have going forward in life makes you realize that you're a little bit more built for the adversity, more or less than some people are in general. So, and, and I'm not saying solely football. I mean, it could be anything. It could be re- any real world experience. It could be military, it could be business fair, it could be a failed marriage, but you get seasoned with these or sprinkle with these experiences that some people don't get until later on in their life. So the maturation process speeds up to a degree. Without a doubt. I say that all the time. No, you're spot on. I think that college football chapter for me was, was, was tough. It it wasn't necessarily the most fun of times, but it's, it's the, the, the wording I always use is it's, it's giving me a different gauge on, on what hard is. And don't get me wrong. Like there's a lot of more serious things in life that, that people go through. Don't, don't get me wrong, but the idea of kind of hard work, not paying off, like that's, that, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a mental, uh, that'll mess your head a little bit. And I think that that's given me a, a mindset where like, uh, in terms of what's a hard day's work, like it's, it's just different now. And, uh, there's a lot of people in this world that have been through much, much more than me, but for them, like now they have a different perspective now, like the daily task of, uh, I don't know, sitting in traffic that like for one person might be like the end of the world. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to complain about that. Might not be big of a deal for someone who's been through something like crazy, <laughs> uh, crazy tough. Like that, that's, that's kind of the, the perspective I, I put it in. And, uh, definitely it's how you look at it, like the lens you look at it through. But, um, yeah, I, I love Gary's Gary and AJ Taj, who, you know, uh, his, his brother, uh, the, 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 the term they always use is, is businesses, uh, what do they say? Business is like the fifth major sport or whatever. Like you have, you have baseball, basketball, football, and then I guess you throw like hockey and soccer in there. But outside of that, like now we see with like LeBron James and all the entrepreneurial stuff you're doing, like business is that next kind of competitive uh, feel that a lot of us athletes kind of dive into because that's where you get that that uh, that that drive from, I guess. But no, I think your point's spot on that. When you're tested, especially early on in life with uh, with, with experiences, uh, if you choose to, it only better equips you for, for what what uh, what life has to throw at you moving forward. That's awesome, man. So on your day-to-day, I mean, what's your mindset like when you wake up in the morning? Try to make the most of each day. Um, yeah, and I'm always wary of, like, not coming across as, like, just some foo-foo guy, like, like ah, oh, like, every day is the best day ever, that kind of thing, because I know that stuff, that motivation never really hit home with me. That's a big reason why I was so attractive to a Gary V and wanted to, like, work for him is uh, he keeps it real. He keeps it keeps it bump. But uh, trying to make the most of each day. Like, right now I have my normal, like, 9 to 5 type job, uh, and then I do some broadcasting on the side. But just laying the groundwork today for, for better days ahead. That's kind of been my mind mindset. Like I'm fortunate right now to have a great opportunity, but a lot of this, a lot of this, the reason why this opportunity came about was because of the work I did three, four years ago, like when people weren't watching and it wasn't sexy and it wasn't that fun to like go to class or it wasn't that fun to, 
do the extra workout or whatever, that kind of thing. Like, um, just trying to make the most of each day, uh, but live, uh, live life to the most kind of thing. And kind of that attack mode that we had in athletics, I try to carry it over as much to my daily life, uh, today to, to get the most out of things. That's awesome, man. Now you get a chance to, cause you're, I mean, you're very young yourself, but do you get a chance to spend some of these conversations with some people that are playing the game right now, whether may that be high school, college, I'm sure you run across some guys that are in the league that pop up by the office. You know, do you get a chance to share your perspective with people outside of the football realm and within it? Yeah, I think uh, the the biggest way I do that is just through my social media. Um, I think in terms of one-on-one conversations, not as much. And maybe that's because I think a lot of people don't know. That's why, like, it's so awesome being on this because I think a lot of people don't know what to say when they talk to me and, like, football comes up. Like, they want to say, like, like, I'm sorry, but then, like, hey, what a career. Like, and, like they want to ask the juicy hard questions, but they don't want to, like, offend me kind of thing. And so that's why it's refreshing, honestly, when uh, people are just kind of straight up with it and be like, yeah, like, uh, how was this or how was that kind of thing? So I kind of take it upon myself to, to share it through different pieces of content on my own social platform. And then right. I get guys, all, all sorts of guys that kind of reach out to me, um, whether it's, Hey Max, I just retired after three years in the NFL. Like, I don't know what to do now. Like, what should I do? Or if it's like the high school kid who said, Hey, I just had an injury myself. Uh, I didn't make my high school team. Like I don't have film. Like, what should I do? Like, how'd you get past this? Like this, that, and the other. Um, I'll get people reaching out to me and it's, it's nothing like um, groundbreaking I'll say, but it's just like that one DM here or there that might strike a chord with some kid or sometimes people older than me. Um, that might help them through and kind of being like, Hey, yo, how'd you get past this? Or how'd you do this? How'd you do that? Right. And not that I haven't figured it all out. Like I'm still learning, still doing, uh, figuring it out as well. But, um, I've at least, uh, felt like I've for, for things not going right on a, on a big scale or not going my way on a big scale. Uh, I've, I've, I've bounced back in a, in a, in a, in a solid way. Well, and that's, I heard a friend of mine said you not being where you want to be is motivation in itself, you know? So that continuous growth, that, that willingness and that wanting to move forward and continue to develop and mature is what life's about, man. Because once you stop doing that, man, it, it's over with in general. So I'm excited. Man, I'm psyched yeah. up for you, man. And I'm, I'm proud of you. And, um, cause it is, it's, it's hard to have those conversations, especially if it, you know, everybody has this aspiration as a kid. I'd be lying if I said, you know, that there was this, this pinnacle that I wanted to reach. And so you'll have guys like, uh, I made a comment about Philip Rivers and how, he needed to really transition out, let Tyrod step in. One guy was like, oh, I can't believe you would even say that. You never even played a full game in the NFL. I'm like, come on, bro. You didn't even play in Little League. Yeah, come on. So the, the fact that I can't, you know, like they don't want you to have a, an opinion is, is wild to me. But it is what it is. The experiences that I had, I don't I don't take back. I don't want any of those to go away. All right, any of the good, any of the bad, because ultimately it led up to again, me having this conversation with you right now. So, you know, it's all for, I love that. for better. I love that. No, I wouldn't. And even uh, to me, obviously I uh, like wish things that play out better and you want success, but I wouldn't trade anything uh, any step of the way. Like a lot of those, or a lot of those memories, a lot of those tough times, like they're such a big part of how I'm wired today. I mentioned like a different gauge of like what it means to be tested and whatnot. Like that's, that's who I am to this day in like every aspect of my life, whether it's relationships, whether it's work, whether it's uh, being a boyfriend, being a son, being like whatever it is, like all that is like so big to who I am today. So I wouldn't trade it at all. And um, 
no, it's uh, no, I think you're spot on with that. And it's always funny, like Philip Rivers, right? Like he's probably thinking, hey, I'm gonna win a Super Bowl, all that stuff, and shoot, maybe he will, but it ends for everyone at, at some point, and that's kind of the message I always kind of uh, hash like hash on is even if you do a 10, 15, 20 year NFL career and you're a Hall of Famer, like you still at the end of the day, like what's after football? Like right. we still have so much life left to live and not in a foo-foo way, not in like a, like one of those things, but just like keeping it real. Like what is like, what, what's life like for you after? And if it's only football and football is the end all be all, and I can't envision anything else besides football, then you're, you're gearing up for a harsh reality. And that's not to me say, Hey, don't chase your dreams and get after it. No, I'll do that every single day, but also be wary, be wary of this, this game of life that we play. And the fact that, there are other irons in the fire, no matter whether you're Jerry Rice and Tom Brady or you're closer to uh, to my side of things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Sweeney used to say that to us all the time. He's like, look, you know, the game ends two ways. You know, either you get hurt and it's over with or you just, you know, it's just, just not good enough anymore, you know. And then for, that's, just, that's, that's the sucky part about it, man. But, you know, whether life – deals us a fair hand or not, man, we still got an opportunity every day to improve ourselves in our daily walk. And uh, that's what I get excited about when I wake up and every morning I got breath, man, I got opportunity. So got breath, got opportunity, lucky to be alive. No, I'm, I'm right with you, man. You said great, great questions too. Those were, uh, those were money. I love the way you're uh, thinking about things. (laughs) Appreciate you, man. Well, look, um, you know, I know you're pretty active on social, so tell the people how they can get a hold of you. It's also going to be probably in a little bio line too, but yeah, go ahead and tell them. Yeah, actually, uh, just changed my Instagram handle, uh, but I uh, finally got uh, Max Brown, just a clean first and last name. Uh, but yeah, Max Brown with the E at the end of Brown. And then on Twitter, I'm uh, Max Brown again, but uh, with the number four at the end. So you can find me there, do some broadcasting stuff. Uh, like Tosh said, I work for... Uh, for Gary Vaynerchuk, for uh, those listeners that know who he is, kind of the, the social media media guru out here in New York doing uh, some football stuff, some work stuff, and uh, trying to live it up, man, make the most of each day. Well, look, since we're here, college football playoff rankings came out last night. I think one yep. was LSU, two Ohio State, Clemson three, Georgia four. Do you agree with those rankings? I do not. Uh, I'll put uh, I'll put uh, Oregon in there. Uh, they 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 uh, they squeak in for me. I think uh, the way they've been playing lately is super impressive, and uh, it gets down to that South Carolina loss to me is uh, is ugly for Georgia. But we'll see. To me, I think a one loss Pac-12 team gets in if uh, kind of kind of no no matter not no matter what. But as long as uh, Utah and Oregon went out and they meet, meet each other with one loss. I think they're in. And if there's an SEC crowd to this audience, I think that's the the harsh reality is, uh, is Georgia's on the outside looking in. Does get interesting if they beat LSU. Uh, check that. If they beat LSU, they're in. pac on the outside. Outside of that, pac is in. Well, that's what's wild, man, because the only loss that Oregon has is the Auburn game, right? Yep. Early on, depleted receiving core. Yeah, exactly. And that's a uh... – I was, I'm always interested in how a team evolves over the course of the season. There was a team, I want to say it was Stanford 2014, and they had a loss yep. early. But, dog, I swear, if there was an expansion, they found a way to get Stanford in that playoff. I was like, nobody wants to play those guys because they hit their stride at the right time. Man. And that's 
that's one of the things that you can't foresee. So to punish a team very early on is something that I'm still trying to figure out how they can even play that into how they uh, grade these teams later on in the year. So I don't know. That's why. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just if uh, if Georgia if Georgia loses to LSU, to me it's it's quite simple to be honest. If Georgia loses to LSU, those two losses they're out. LSU's in obviously, and then I think a one loss Pac-12 team. Uh, they're in in its well, place. Georgia now, wins. Well, they're in. Well, two Utah, SEC gets Oregon in, yeah. in the Pac-12 championship is how that will play out. Yep, Utah will play uh, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Utah's one loss is on the road at yep. SC, which as the weeks go by, that loss is getting better and better. SC just got in the rankings. Um, but, uh, yeah, for those of you guys that aren't paying attention to Utah, Utah is beating up on people. They're destroying people. They have one of the best backs in the country in Zach Moss. Like, he'll be – right up there, uh, NFL draft day. And then Tyler Huntley, yeah. uh, he's playing as efficient as any quarterback in the country. As He doesn't have the stats as Joe Burrow does, but efficiency-wise, QB ranking, picks to interceptions, that yeah. kind of thing, he, uh, he's, uh, he's hey, right he's there. He's a scary good athlete, man. Um, got a chance to know Snoop over the years. Man, he's one of the most surprising, surprisingly underrated quarterbacks. And a lot of it, I think, is because, again, it still stems with the West Coast, being with that later time slot, and obviously they moved it up this year, but just those East Coast evaluators. So hopefully they get some love, man. I would love yeah. to see what they look like in this playoff race, and uh, hopefully we get one of those Pac-12 teams in there. Shake it up a little bit. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, – yeah, East Coast – I just did a, a Pac-12 after dark, like, radio show. My radio show, radio show started at, like, 3 a.m. on the East Coast because I'm out here, in, uh, out here in New York. So if you haven't checked out the Utes, watch them. They're good. They got the big boys, too. They have uh, – two NFL defense alignment as well that uh, they'll hope to hear their names early on in the draft, but we'll see, man. It's fun. Uh, I'm just waiting for the day they explain it to expand it to eight. I think it's only a matter of time, but uh, always fun to chop it up and kind of go oh, through the inevitable, what man. But Max, look, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back up here sometime, man, and talk about the way this thing shapes out with the season since you are a big time analyst out here. So keep doing your thing, man. T- keep taking it one day at a time. And obviously, man, just continue to give gratitude every day. So, appreciate you. Thanks, Tosh. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Looked up for you. Looked up to you when I played, and uh, this is pretty cool. Thanks for making this happen. Absolutely. Thank you, man.